Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Scott, you were a fiend yesterday on the Twitter about the hearings. We're going to talk a lot about those. I mean, obviously, it's going to be our big thing. And you also appeared on Brian Williams hip-checking me out of that slot, just so you know. Just so yeah. you know. He lo- Brian, he is so good. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's a lesson here for young people. I would say that the easiest way to get someone to like you mm-hmm. Is to like them. And, <laughs> of course, and that, you're saying, I don't fall for that, that crap. Go ahead. It's it's totally true. No, I but know. if you if you and I'm being serious now, if you feel goodwill towards somebody, yeah, you appreciate them, you admire an attribute. To not communicate that to them, oh god, is to give up an asset. You and your love fest with television anchors, cable television he's anchors, very is really handsome. getting. He's very you're handsome. Gonna, you're like two timing on Anderson Cooper. I think next I, I next Chris keep Cuomo. Anderson, you know what? Are you going to keep uh, go go off with uh, with uh, Rachel Maddow at some point? As Carly like... Simon once said, <laughs> "Oh no, oh, Anderson no. needs to understand that I'm beautiful to strangers. That okay. I'm beautiful to strangers." <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> Brian we have to is get so good. I mean, that show. guy is so charming. He goes, uh, he literally, and you know you're being this manipulated. This is Brian or Anderson. I can't tell with all your anger. Oh, my. Brian Williams is like, and he's like, Men. and we're hoping someone who becomes a friend of the show and that this is the first of many appearances. And I heard nothing oh. he said after that. Oh, my God. Uh, he's he's funny. He has all this good. weird, like, you know, that's as slow as a pig in a poke. He always does stuff. I love, I, love, I, I like Brian Williams. He's very Amanda, good. It's like, are you turning on Brian Wills again? Yes, I am. I don't know why. And I know he had all that controversy before, but he's yeah, quite that, that good. That controversy he's, looks like nothing now. I know, like nothing. Like he did, wasn't on a helicopter. Yeah, okay. He was supposed oh, to be on. Oh, get rid yeah. of him. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. He does look like he's, you know, his daughter is, is a well known actress and she's one, she's lovely too. Oh, she's I have a girl, to say. right? Yeah, she's very sweet. Yeah. She's a very sweet woman. I met her a long time ago, but she he's he's something else. He's something that show is something else. He's good. He's he's an old timey hank anchor kind of person, you know. He's an old timey uh he's just he does he does a good job. I like it. It's better than a lot of the others. Yeah, but hey, it's clear him, Tim Cook, and Tom Cruise have made a deal yeah. with the devil. Those guys haven't aged right. in like seven yeah, years. They don't they, they look the same. Don't they look the I same? I can't wait to see the next anchor man you like which might be Will Ferrell at some point. Oh right? my you gosh, know? Brian. I know. Brian. Brian. Oh, you know, and I'm talking I'm texting, I'm DMing Anderson and saying he's got to get back in there and get you on the show. And would you do that for me? I would appreciate love. that. No, I would not. Would you, not I would appreciate that. I think the whole thing is untoward. I think it's rather shabby is what you're doing to Anderson, but that's okay. It's no problem with me. It's no problem. Whatever. I don't know. I live in San Francisco. Yes, of course I watched the hearing, but I was doing other things at the same time. Listen to me. I want to <laughs> listen. I want to know why we we're going to talk about the big hearing. We're going to talk about the big hearing, but before we do that, we have a couple things. Yeah. We, we're going to completely talk because you really like went all in on the hearing. It was I was not tweeting was as much drunk. as you. I did a big I was long just tweet. Drunk. I, I were you? I did a lo- big long tweet later in the night. But uh, we're going to get to the hearing, but we have to talk about the most important news of the week, which is Taylor Swift's new album. 
Is Taylor Swift a lesbian thing? Why are you so into Taylor Swift? No, no. I love, no, everybody loves Taylor Swift. They pretend they don't, and then they no, love her. No, I'm not her. pretending. It's weird. I'm not pretending. <laughs> okay. Well, I think the album's great. Yeah. And she actually has a lesbianish song in it, but she, apparently the song is not her. It's her uh, occupying other people's thoughts, I guess. Usually it's about her and some boyfriend that she broke yeah. up with. But in this case, she's uh, she's channeling people. People love her concerts. There's a, there's a whole they lesbian say she's one. she's fantastic I have, Can I just... I'm going to give you a little story about Taylor Swift. Yeah. I went to an iHeartRadio yeah. concert, and Bob Pittman, who runs iHeartRadio, let me stand in the back, which I've never been in the back. And, of course, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stand in the back. And so I was pretty close to her. Like, she was on a you know, stage that stuck mm-hmm. out into the mm-hmm. stadium. This is back when you were allowed in stadiums mm-hmm. with people. And and at the end of this song, it was a great song. It was one of her hits, right? She does it. She looks fantastic. She she was performed. She's a great live yeah. performer, like one of those just loves live performing live. So at the end of the show... She and of the song, she she finished it, and then the crowd is cheering, and then she put her hands up a second time and went, Come on. And she put her hands like, give me more applause. And she was straight up and she's like, I'm fantastic. Like, come on. And I was sort of like, I love you yeah. for that. She was like, she would was not enough, you know, uh clappage that was yeah. happening. And there was a lot of clappage, and she was like, That's right, that's me. And I I've loved her. Yeah, she's a she's a superstar. And uh, what I've heard from yeah. uh friends is that it's a really wonderful family friendly experience. Oh, the, the thing, yeah, it's actually really fun. I, I really like her. They're, it's just pure entertainment. You know, in the old days, actually I went to a Madonna concert many years ago. It was a similar feeling. It was really fun to uh it was fun. It was fun. There's certain people that are really fun to um, to go to concert. I haven't been to a concert in 103 years. That I was took the last my nine-year-old to a con- uh, his first concert. Which one? I took him to see Shawn Mendes. And I was just oh. absolutely blown away by how talented on how many dimensions. He whether is. it was. And he goes out with, uh, with uh, what's her name? Who is Shawn dating? Oh, Brian Williams. Uh, no. Camilla, Camilla Cabello. Camilla Cabello. They make adorable videos hmm. together. They may not still be going out, but she's she's terrific too. Very, yeah, they make yeah, adorable quarantine videos. Yeah, they're very handsome people. They're, they do a nice handsome. I wonder if you can be on their cable television show. Um, Tinder has a new CEO, Jim Lanzo. What do you think about that? He's from CBS. He's been around the block. I, I met him a hundred and nine years ago, but he's had a lot of startups. He was running CBS Digital for a while, uh, and now he's the CEO of Tinder. Another one. They've had a lot of Tinder CEOs. What do you? He, he's going to probably lean heavily into content, but they kind of missed the boat on that Tinder. Day, My sense is it's a space that gets burnt out pretty fast. That you don't have technology or network yeah. effects, uh, and yeah. that people seem to cycle through them. I mean, it just seems like there's been a lot of dating sites, right? And well, they're going to add content if yeah. Jim's around. You know what I mean? He's a content guy, so it'll be interesting. Like, I think they kind of missed the boat. I mean, I what happened to Facebook's dating service? It's interesting. It never I really mean, went anywhere. Right. It went anywhere, like like a lot of their products, which we're going to get into in a second. Before we do, speaking of copyage, um, first episode of Pivot School is next week. Make sure to follow at Pivot School the Twitter account. We're going to be giving away some cool stuff and talking about it here. You get your tickets now for the live event at PivotSchool.com. Our first class is Tuesday, August fourth at ten a.m. Pacific, one p.m. Eastern. Professor Galloway is in the classroom remotely, of course, because he's too scared to go in a regular classroom, and, and justifiably so. And so, please come. We have thousands of people What's coming. What's the theme of our like first one? More. What are we doing? The theme of the first episode is media's overnight chaos, and we're going to be talking to Vanessa Pappas from TikTok, Emily Bell from Columbia, and lots more. And we're more. giving away swag. We got a bingo card with our sayings right. on it. It's going to be really right. good. We just edited it last night. Free um, square, okay. free square. Care interrupt Scott, and no, I just interrupted no, you, which is ironic. No, that's Anyways, not the free square. Go ahead. 
Boom is the free square. Oh, you're right. That's that's Boom is the free square. All right, listen. Listen. Big story. Okay, big story's coming. Tim Cook, Jeff Bezos, Sundar Pichai, and Mark Zuckerberg testified for nearly six hours on the most bizarre Zoom call of all time, whatever it was. I think they were using Cisco WebEx. Jim Jordan derailed the hearing as usual. I thought he wouldn't do it, but he did it. And I actually talked to his staff and they said he probably wouldn't do it, but then he did it to make anti-conservative bias. Uh, an issue, which it wasn't about. It was about antitrust. Democratic Jamie, Jamie Raskin, later in the day, if Facebook is out there trying to repress conservative speech, they're doing a terrible job, which was funny. Bezos sat quietly without a question for two hours. Uh, uh, Pramilia Jayapal, uh, the breakout star, she was amazing. She really got, got it in with Bezos over third-party seller data and said uh, uh, Kevin Systrom uh, was afraid that Zuckerberg was going into the destroy mode if he didn't sell. I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Cicilline says Google stole, stole content from other sites. Jerry Nadler pushed Facebook on its acquisition uh, of Instagram. It was it was a little spicier than I thought. I, what do you think? I know you we think it's useless, but actually there was a, there was some good jabs in there, except for Jim Jordan off and down his alleyway of whatever he was doing. Yeah, these things are typically more spectacled and historic, and that is mm-hmm. they're meant to sort of create a sentiment and then right. give, I think, the representatives or the senators a feel for what public opinion is. Yeah. And if they were to go one way or the other, mm-hmm. what would happen in terms of their ability to cling to power? Right. And this felt more historic than spectacle. It didn't it feel did. as if there were any great TV moments, but it it was clear that uh, this subcommittee, I think over the last 13 months, has actually done their job. They've uh, collected over a million pages of documents. And yeah. some of the questioning, I thought some of it was way off. And unfortunately, it, it definitely it was definitely pretty easy to kind of predict whether the question was going to be on brand or not. Right. Or right. or substantive. But mm-hmm. I, and again, I've said this before and I don't know. I get you know, I keep getting optimistic and I keep getting my heart broken. I described mm-hmm. this on Brian Williams last night at 1140. Um, I described <laughs> I this. Watched it yet. I can't wait. I, I described this as the beginning of the end of big tech as we know it. It just seemed as if. They weren't really there to get information. They were confident in the information they had collected, and they were just right. stating their viewpoint over and over. But it felt like, and also one, some of the kind of seminal moments were right before the hearing started, you had yeah. two tweets saying, I hope these guys get broken up. And the two tweets, mm-hmm. uh, different language, but basically the same thing. These guys need to be broken up. One was from Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders. One was from Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. so when you have people from both sides of the aisle wanting to break them up, even if it's for different yeah. reasons, even if some of those yeah. reasons aren't valid, it looks like mm-hmm. we have our first bipartisan issue in a while. Yeah, yeah. I was I wish I wish the Republicans sort of wasted their time on the other stuff because it all is related to power. Like if they what, what I tweeted was that if they are upset about conservative bias, give make room for other people for to come in and let you rant somewhere else you know it just or, or, so that they have real chance to be a business um do, who did you how would you each of them they, they, you know who did a great job the tremendous robin Givon from the washington post uh, she i thought she really wrote the best piece about it mm-hmm. actually about sort of the the way it looked and felt and then making some really uh really great great points uh, about a lot of things um and i thought she was one of the things that was interesting is that um you know, they were tough on Bezos in the piece, which was good because he owns the Washington Post. Um, and one of the things she wrote is too many of the Republicans were focused on playing put upon and abused. They seem more interested in Trump Jr.'s Twitter habit and throwing out accusations of anti-Americanism at the only executive of color testifying, stifled competition and 
Yeah, stifled competition and bullied employees were side notes. The event was virtual, but the disgrace was real. The titans were diminished, but far too many of the subcommittee members were the ones who looked small too. I thought, I, I, I think some of them didn't actually, and some of the quotes were were quite good, were quite good, and got to the real heart of this power differential that was happening, and that it, it's all about power. And that's what was my hope is that that was the focus of what they were doing. And and one of the things she wrote is, but mostly the Democrats focused on big questions about the power of these companies amassed, even if they really weren't all that interested in hearing the executives' answers. The Republicans were far more concerned about Google and how it's unfair to conservatives. Google expresses conservative voices. Google sends Republicans fundraising emails to span. Google is anti-American. Um, but, you know, in general, it was the right tone. I, I was pretty pleased about that. In, in, so in, I, I'm busy this, I'm busy at work today putting together word clouds and trying to find patterns. But the mm-hmm. first pattern I... The Tell first me. pattern Ooh. I recognized, and I'm shocked Twitter didn't erupt with it, was that mm-hmm. any kind of notion of you're being anti-American was generally from yeah. a white guy to the one brown guy. And I thought, oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. And yeah. it, I, it, no one noticed it. And I thought, how come they're not asking the white guy, Zuckerberg, about being yeah. anti-American yeah. or about not being American? because well, he's on the Trump side. Virginia and Jordan's there was the generally the, the questioning bifurcated into two sort of, and, and this is, you know, this is partisan, but... It struck me that the Democrats actually read the the label or the white the white piece of paper on the door that's an antitrust hearing, and yeah, really, exactly. I would say two thirds of the Republican questions were for an audience of one. And it struck me that mm-hmm. we forget how much power seventy percent of Republicans still support the president, so he can basically yeah, they, they get you reelected or not. And so they're yeah. playing. I thought all of these guys are playing to Fox, and I'm like, no, they're not. They're playing to one guy who watches Fox. Yeah, which is and typical. And it's this typical. when you start asking questions on conservative or liberal bias. In addition to it being ridiculous, seven of the ten top trending stories yesterday on Facebook were from far right crazies. It's just not true. Right. I thought, well, why are they doing this? Because it has nothing to do with the hearing. Mm-hmm. They're playing to an audience. Yeah. They're playing to an audience of one. The get yeah. there were a few get off my lawn yeah. moments when someone complained about their span. Yeah. The ranking member Sensabrenner mm-hmm. had kind of the. Oh, yeah, the comment terrible. that, that will come back, not come back to haunt him, but the Orrin Hatch comment when he asked, when he said, when he started questioning Zuckerberg mm-hmm. on the removal of uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s question on hydroxychloroquine, yeah, and he was actually referring, yeah. that, and, and then Mark Zuckerberg pointed out, it's like, sir, that, that was Twitter. You know, that was the kind of moment like, yeah. okay, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But it, yeah. No, they were, they wasted, the a Republicans wasted this opportunity, which is in a their interest. You know, who did you think had the, had the best, oh, the, that was the, the worst question, who do you think had the best? was Representative Jayapal. Um, she was I, yes, I agree. substantive, strong, forceful, not taking any shit. Stuck to the, and just stuck showed to the story. up and just said, okay. And the two, from a legal perspective, the, the exhibit, you know, 38C in the case against Google and and Facebook will be really two moments. The mm-hmm. substantive moments, there were two of them. And that was one when Nadler was essentially uh, able, uh, and it might have been Jay Paul, uh, able to get uh, Instagram, I'm sorry, Facebook to acknowledge that their market power was putting Instagram mm-hmm. and all other photo sharing apps, yeah, and neutralizing them. And neutralize. And Land that grab. they were they were acquiring Instagram in large part to put a competitor out of business, which you're not supposed New to choice. do. And then yep. the other, and it's in an email. Right. It's and in an email, which is that's that's the email that Microsoft got hung on. That's, that's the, the kind smoking of email, gun for you know. that. And then, yep. 
There's and probably then I a spoke dozen to, for my, for my uh, podcast, Prop G, I interviewed Tim Wu, who I think is probably the most thoughtful mm-hmm. scholar on this issue. Yes, I uh, saw. From Columbia mm-hmm. University. And he said it's probably the most telling moment or, or one of the moments that will come back to haunt Amazon is he acknowledged that they purposely price Alexa yes. products below cost. And you're not supposed to do that. That's the equivalent yeah. of dumping. And they don't need to. It's not like they got to clear the inventory. Yeah. They're just going for market share and doing it on a consistent basis by selling it at below cost. She also she also got him to say, what I can tell you is we have a policy against users, sellers specific data to aid our private label business. But I can guarantee you that I can't guarantee you that policy hasn't been violated. Yeah, that's held. They have a box full of data. You think they're not going to use it. That's the whole thing. And now now it puts them in a we are mistakes were made kind of mode. And I think those that was a bad moment. I thought the neutralize and land grab thing. Nobody who's an innovator uses the word neutralize and land grab. They just don't. And, and Facebook's never, That's Facebook's the Microsoft point. of this era, you know, the grabbing of, and actually Microsoft's quite innovative comparatively these days. And it was, that was to me that those letters, and I'm sure there's more, there's got to be more, uh, were damning, I thought. Were, and also if they get Kevin Systrom up there. There's a, there's a That's few things that I think Zuckerberg said to him that are, uh, going to be damning, I'm suspecting. And, but I was even, I was fascinated by their backdrops. I thought Sundar Pichai's backdrop, I thought he looked like the Indian, ambassador or he was in the Indian embassy in yeah, Uganda in in and then in the sixties I kept waiting for Idi Amin to walk in. Yeah. Yeah. He looks so classy and yeah, he uh, did. like the right amount of texture yeah. and plants behind him. It was interesting. Um, the, 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 the way it looked, I, it, Robin wrote about it. Google Sundar Pichai was the sleekest of a lot in both appearance and setting. He wore an elegant charcoal suit and matching tie and was well-framed behind mm-hmm. a desk that sat in an office that looked like it had been inspired by a West Elm catalog. He sat with mm-hmm. perfect posture, and when he spoke, his gestures were emotive but not frantic. He tended to steeple his fingers as he attempted to answer the House Judiciary Subcommittee's members, meandering questions that teetered between privacy issues and conspiracy theories. Amazon's Jeff Bezos sat in front of a wall of honey colored shelf that had a distinctly mid-century modern feel. Tim Cook of Apple was backed by a low row of greenhouse plants. And Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg had a plain white background that glowed so brightly that it looked as though he were delivering his testimony from the interior of a nuclear reactor. <laughs> now, he looked like the alien from Close Encounters he of did. the Third Kind. He yeah, looked just so strange. Uh, Cinder yeah. looked like Omar Sharif's really intelligent nephew. He just yeah. looked handsome and debonair. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, but we'll be yeah, talking the, to him soon on Pivot School. Sundar. Yeah, so he, he was good. He a, he, there's a lot to talk to him about. But he he was, I, there were some, unscripted, I don't know if you, how closely you were, you were watching, but there mm-hmm. were some kind of interesting unscripted moments as happened often with Zoom. One, so, someone clear, we got asked Sunder there, someone clearly came into the room with Sunder. He was like trying to wave them off. Oh, really? Like, I love that. I do that a lot. Yeah, I He do. was going like, get out of here, go right. away. And then, and then my favorite point that kind of summarize the first two hours. In the first 93 minutes, there were more questions to Jack Dorsey than Jeff Bezos. And Jack Dorsey wasn't a witness. Yeah. And at some oh, point, at Jim some Jordan point, again. Jeff Bezos started having a snack. <laughs> He's like, look, I'm the, I'm the wealthiest man in the world. When I get hungry and I'm bulking up, I'm working out three yeah. times a day. I yeah. need, I'm doing five meals snack. a day on snack my PS90. Time. It's yeah. snack time. And I'm not like this shit getting in the midst yeah, of my 330 protein. Yeah, exactly. You're right. <laughs> and he started he has, snacking. And he probably has the butler just for the 330 yeah, protein, he don't you eating. Think? And you, know, you saw a little hand come up from the desk <laughs> and feed him into his mouth. No, but he probably has a separate butler for every feeding, don't you think? That's what uh, I would have, a different butler. Oh, 100%. I'm pretty you know, sure someone Raider. was rubbing it. I'm pretty sure he was getting a manicure. It was just off camera. Who do you think had the best and worst day? Let's go through them really quick before I get to our next story. So I think Tim Cook probably had the best day. One, because 
antitrust is is the dullest sort as it relates to Apple. You know, yeah. it's just not entirely clear how you'd break them up. They're not as angry at them. Yeah, they're not. They're uh, not I thought he got off easy because I, if I were a Republican, I thought that I knew the narrative around the, the anti-conservative bias was going to come out. The narrative I thought was going to come out that didn't was I thought they were going to go after Tim Cook for China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just the they, threat, yeah. the threat to security, whether you believe it's true or not, just not having, you know, there's more employees. I think there's more Apple employees now in China than there are in the U.S., yeah, and they didn't. They just didn't bring up. They didn't, didn't bring up it. China. Also, we forget about. I think one of the keys or the attributes to building a trillion dollar firm, quite frankly, is just likability. Yeah, and Tim yeah. Cook starts speaking. You want to like him. You just want to yeah, like him. He was good. Some people thought he was arrogant. I got a lot of that, but I didn't think I didn't so. Think so one at all. someone who's pretty high up involved in the government said um, he has been quite smart in dealing with government, including the White House, even when he isn't personally comfortable. If I were Cook, I would clean up the App Store rules, not be a pig, double down on his privacy PR, and run to the bank um, and let uh, Google, Facebook, and Amazon take all the heat over the next. So few he years. did the best by virtue yeah. of kind of omission, and people just didn't really, I think, really go after him. Um, I, yeah. Who did second best? Quite frankly, was Zuckerberg. Um, oh, Zuckerberg, really not Sundar. Here's the thing: I thought Zuckerberg. I mean, Cinder was largely out of the way, but Zuckerberg. I mm-hmm. felt you could you could register that this was this was uh, Zuckerberg's third time at at, mm-hmm. at the circus. He felt, or he's gotten better, and he's kind of yeah. He always gets he knows better. what he's good at. He he knows how to do this now. Stall, mm-hmm. uh, when appropriate, push back. He's mm-hmm. not nearly as likable. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I thought he actually, I thought, wow, this guy's done this before and it's starting to show. And then and then Sunder. And I actually thought Bezos had a tougher time. I thought he made some kind of some unforced errors. Um, yeah. And uh, some of the stuff that came out is going to come back. It's going to come back for him. But in general, there weren't any. You could, you could. Mm, I thought those emails. I'm sorry. I think those emails are damning. Yeah, but no. I think my point is, no one really person pro- kind of came off, in my opinion, as owning it or really screwing up. I thought they were all pretty. Yeah, I didn't think they. I think they're. I think you're right. It's the time. I thought. Is coming. I thought the star the the coming, stand, and there's the now evidence. Of the whole thing was Representative Jayapal. I think you know, this was kind of a moment of like, you know, this is. I, it, Representative Nadler, who, by the way, in my next life is going to be my uncle take me to my first hockey game and give me my first beer. (laughs) That guy. Wouldn't you like that guy as your uncle? He seems like Uh, he'd be an awesome uncle. And he'd like, you know, take you down to the union shop. Uh, Anyways, um, uh, he's usually kind of the most thoughtful and intellectually buttoned up. And the guy. Jurassic Raskin's good. good, um, But I thought Jayapal. Demings was good. I thought Jayapal was was, good. was really strong. I thought Buck would be better, and then he moved down to like Trump Lane. I was I, he had said some really important things yeah. earlier, uh, Representative Buck, and then he just lost it. He went down to Trump Land, and I was like, "Oh God, you were talking intelligently in a bipartisan way about this, and you know about power." And then he moved into some areas that were just ridiculous. Um, it was. It what did was you think? Who do you think I do Oh, I think uh, Cook was sort of out of yep. the way, and and I think he's going to get out of it pretty. He's going to do exactly that. He's going to he's going to make some fixes that are going to satisfy people, and he's going to do it because he's an adult. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he's very pragmatic. Um, I think Pichai did best, even though he was called anti-American. I didn't think it stuck in any way, and I thought it was grotesque. Um, especially, I thought it was grotesque to do it to a person of color. Not just that, just it was, it's just like, come on, like, this is not what this is about. Um, and Google is not anti-American. It's just a ridiculous accusation. Um, I thought, 
uh, I think Zuckerberg did okay, but the the bar is mm-hmm. so low. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. I don't expect him to be good. I don't. I think that email is bad. Yeah. I think that email is yeah. those emails, and there's more of them. I'm. I've got, there's got that. They're so careless, as is everybody in corporations to, with their emails. But Gates was careless with his emails. They're all careless in that regard, you know. And he particularly, if you, going way back. To the beginning, remember he put all those. He 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 memorializes everything mm-hmm. in emails and and blog posts. So back in the day in Facebook, he said exactly what shitty mm-hmm. stuff he was up to, and he typed it. And and so he's like that. He he's like a diary keeper. And so I think that's a problem. Um, and I think there's plenty of evidence to show this is exactly what they do. They buy and dist- destroy. Uh, you know, buy yeah. or bury is their thing, and that's a very Microsoftian thing. And Bezos is in trouble with the marketplace. I think there's going to be plenty of proof that they which a lot of they've got more and more retailers and other sellers are going to as much as they need the Amazon platform and they need the Amazon platform. I don't think they're as scared. They're like so enough I, is enough. Tell me like, if you agree with, with this. And I've heard a rumor sh- that Bezos, while yeah. being very disciplined around email, is actually quite can be mm-hmm. at times quite careless with his iPhone camera. Yeah, <laughs> you're that? not going into that. Um, but yes, now, I've there's, that. A, there's a point. Here. I thought they were. Delicious. And that is, I yeah. believe that Bezos commands more soft power than any 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 entity. Uh, but China, yeah. I think if any other individual yeah. had sent out dick pics, yeah. I think that would have come up in a yeah. hearing. I think they would have made mm, references to didn't. it. I think they would have said, can we trust? Yeah, I don't think Jim Jordan's going to bring that up. Can we trust an individual? Jim Jordan's got a history on that really? issue. So I don't think. Well, he was a coach. Um, and oh, go read about it. He was a coach and people came and told him this other doctor was sexually, abuse, uh, yeah, sexually abusing, abusing them and he didn't do anything about yeah, it. Well, that's, 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 there's been so many reports and he denies a, that's it. That's more, there's that's a dozen. uglier but different. <laughs> I'm saying he can't bring up dick pics yeah. in any way. He, he's got to stay away from yeah. doing everything else. So, um, I don't think anyone else can so, get away with anyway, that. It's an I, don't think any, yeah. I don't think anyone else can right. come in front of Congress and get away Here's with that. Here's who I think won yeah. the week, and I thought it was an interestingly timed announcement. It was Mackenzie Scott, who was the ex-Mrs. Bezos, who gave $1.7 billion of her fortune And that away. was announced the day before the hearing. Coincidence? Yes. Coincidence? Coincidence? I think not. I'll tell you, the, the easiest way to, to rough over, to smooth over the rough edges of a divorce is to give mm-hmm. your ex the GDP of Luxembourg. I think yeah. anyone I know that's getting divorced, <laughs> if you want to maintain good relationships with your ex... Just fork over the defense budget of Canada. Yeah, yeah. She she gave a lot of money. And by the way, not in a complex way. I thought she won the day. I was like, she didn't have some weird like this is a trust that I'm going to control. It just was like, here's some money. All these fantastic organizations and substantive money. Uh, I thought she's sort of going down the Melinda Gates path in that regard. Seems like an impressive woman. She is. She is. I haven't seen her in a People say I that she doesn't decade. get enough credit for the founding of Amazon. She does not. I'm going to say that in a column this week in the New York Times. She really was early. She was very involved early on um, and so smart and was, she's a writer, you know, that, that she sort of went her writing career. She's a novelist and really quite talented. And so they should have um, gone all in on her writing career. <laughs> they yeah, really I know. screwed up. Uh, yeah, it was it was a problem. I remember talking to her about it because the publishers and Jeff and wait, you mean it was, you mean you mean the wife having to focus on uh, uh, subjugating her own ambitions to the man's career? That's never a problem in marriages, Kara. Yes, I can yeah, tell you that's never happening. a problem. All right, well, it's a problem in this marriage. That's never obviously. a problem. Anyway, Scott, we're going to take a quick break and come back. That was a very substantive discussion about the hearings. I liked it, Scott. We're going to take a quick break and come back to talk about Snap's first diversity report and another security nightmare at Twitter. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. 
If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Scott, we're back. Two more stories we talked about briefly because uh, then we have a listener mail. While the antitrust hearing was going on, SNAP released its first ever diversity report. In the U.S., 84% of employees are white or Asian and 74% of senior leadership is, big surprise, white. The board is 60% white and 70% male. We are determined to do what it takes to improve these numbers because these numbers are real people. Yes, they're real white men people yeah. is what they are. Yeah. Not great. Uh, not a surprise, although they do have several women who I know there who are in very important positions mm-hmm. and influential positions at the company. Um, so it's, it's not good. Not a good. This is a diversity report that everybody has a very similar one at these companies. So, but it just, and it. I think these, I think metrics are important and what gets measured gets done. The, the notion of diversity, though, mm-hmm. it's an interesting topic because what happens is I don't want to say the bar gets raised, but they zero in on where you're not diverse. So, for example, mm-hmm. The number of executives that are LGBT, you know, does that count as diversity? Mm-hmm. And in tech, there's mm-hmm. there's a decent. I would argue it's 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 decent representation. What what would you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's terrible. Rep- what do you mean, decent representation? Well, it, so? typically they benchmark it off the percentage of the population doesn't match the percentage of senior management or people in executive roles, right? So the black community is underrepresented yeah. at board levels and an executive. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder, I, I don't know the answer to that, but is the LGBTQ envir- uh, cohort represented over or under index in terms of population to, to percentage on board and senior management? That's typically how you sort of look at it, right? Yeah, probably And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Asian Americans, I think, are I overrepresented. Know. White Americans are, yeah, are overrepresented, and then well, especially white males, and then everybody else is kind of underrepresented, I think. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that where it is? Mm-hmm. In any case, these numbers are not great. They, after all this time, you know, they, it was interesting. They, everyone's sort of in the tech industry, uh, kicking and screaming to do it. And then one of them, I think Google was the first. I can't remember. They started just doing it, and it was controversial at Uber. It was kind of everywhere, and it just, it's just because the numbers just are what they are, and and it doesn't change. And so the question is, how do you change them? How what is the best way? Um, I've been talking a lot about this with a particular person because they're, they're a, a very wealthy person because they're thinking of doing something about this um, at, with some substantive donations and stuff. And so I've been talking about it in lots of areas and I can't, it's not out yet, but it's, uh, you know, if you don't have the, it just, it needs just to be addressed like it, head on. And I think it's, there's all kinds of ways, but it, besides the fact that it needs to be addressed head on and get more people in the pool and thinking about it and recruiting, there's got to be a mentorship part of it inside the company. Cause that, what happens is they do a good job getting people in the door and then they don't have mm-hmm. a good job keeping them. 
and making it comfortable. And I think that's where a lot of it falls apart in the, in, I've heard from so many uh, people of color and women that that's where it all like, somehow you became the bitch or, you know, the difficult employee or mm-hmm. you're not keeping up or this and that. And so I think that's one area so that you can't bring up other people, not that you have to necessarily bring up someone of your own color, but, uh, or, or a woman, but it, it really does fall apart once people get in the companies and, and there's, uh, it's just an, it's, a, it's, uh, it's not a great thing. So it's not just, it wasn't good. My, it wasn't my good observation in, having run companies and been on boards and, and, you know, whatever else I can say to try and make myself sound more important than I am is where the real fall down, as you put it, takes place is it one big moment and that's when a woman has kids i think we were making a lot of strides across different areas of diversity i think the one thing corporate america small medium-sized business just hasn't figured out is how to maintain a woman's professional trajectory when she decides she and her husband decide to you know advance the species which is pretty important and if you look at wages uh women under the age of 30 have closed the wage gap and but where the wages immediately plummet from a hundred cents on the dollar relative to their male peers to seventy three is when they have kids, children. Yeah, interestingly, in a lesbian couple, because there are other kinds of marriages, Scott. In case you're really? interested, how does that work? Um, you can how ask me work? or Anderson or any of us I'm about it. I'm down with that as long as I can watch. Honest, it's much. More. Uh, oh there he goes God, again. Really? There he goes oh, again. There we go. I have a and lot of questions about lesbian scene. marriages. I have a lot of questions. You better behave at pivot school. Let me just say, you need to not be quite men, as, you, you better, you A lot of questions. A lot of questions. No, you need to dial down the offensive white male thing for for our pivot school. These are this is our school. We have to That's have some decorum when it's we're like watching when we're NASCAR. You know, there's going to be a fiery crash at to any hear moment. You say it, when, when is he going to say an offensive thing that will get him fired? Um, uh, I think uh, that I have we have a more equitable re- uh, child care relationship uh, in in general, I would say. Um, and but right now, what I think is more important is during this coronavirus crisis uh, that uh, there's going to be real trouble in terms of there's some great stories about this that these these strides that women have made are going to have been shot to hell with you know lack of child care and especially as going into the fall, this is a, not just students are losing these years, women who have to take the that is that is uh, what you're calling i think that is where i don't want to call it chaos but real when when k through 12 uh schools shut down early in spring it was it was Mm -hmm. meaningful but it wasn't profoundly damaging when kids k through 12 kids can't go back in the fall and we're again we're in this yeah, consensual hallucination with our optimism that the virus didn't get the memo on that k through 12 is opening there are schools all over yeah. this country are not prepared, and you are going to see yeah. chaos in households. It is we yeah. spending we're spending a lot of time talking about, or I'm spending a lot of time talking about whether or not universities are going to reopen. That is not that is not even in mm-hmm. the same universe of impact on a household. Your 19 yeah. year old yeah. stuck at home is yeah, a nuisance. Your nine year old at home. Yeah. It is an absolute yeah. punch to the to the gut of the emotional yep. and financial stability of the house. It's going to be huge. Agreed. Agreed. And it was interesting because Google is doing work at home. 
for until next summer. All right. Security mm-hmm. nightmare at Twitter keeps getting worse. Bloomberg reported Monday that 1,500 employees and contractors can see email addresses, phone numbers, and IP addresses that struggled for years to keep them in check. That's because they use too many contractors. According to two former employees, the controls are so porous that at one point in 2017 and 18, some contractors made a kind of game of creating bogus help desk inquiries that allowed them to peek into celebrity accounts, including Beyonce's to track the star's personal data. What a surprise. I've never, this is, was an issue with Facebook in its early days. It was appalling. And they, you know, they look up ex-girlfriends and things like that, as I've noted. Uh, it's just, there's just, again, just like with Amazon looking at data of third party sellers or somehow it, it's porous. It's just too porous, these companies, and they have too much information. And in this case, it's, it's pure, pure it's just gross that they're doing this. You, you and brought it up though. And I, I it kind of dawned on me, uh, mm-hmm. Twitter just doesn't have the scale. And they just don't, they, they just probably don't have, yeah. you know, Zuckerberg can throw, literally, he can throw 10,000 people at a problem. I mean, granted, they have to be somewhere else. They have to be in a low-wage country, yep. but they, they kind of institutional yep. armor. And also, also uh, they have a CEO that's, that's there full-time at Facebook. It just Twitter is going to be, there's a lot of what I call deferred maintenance around the infrastructure there that comes back to haunt you, right? But it's so critical. This is just people understood with if they're seeing DMs or things right. like that. That's a big I just deal. stopped you doing DMs. Up. I've stopped doing DMs completely. Um, okay, we're going to go listen. This is not good for Twitter. Another not good thing. They've got to lock. This is one thing they absolutely have to lock down. Um, and they're not going to be able to lock it down. You know what, though? I, mm-hmm. I still think, and I disclosure, I'm a shareholder. Mm-hmm. I still, still think the shares go up on the backs of any pilot projects that have any success yeah. around subscription. subscription. Because if you look at the history of hacks yeah. and these things, the media loves them. They're spectacle. Yeah. They don't seem to impact the stock price. Yeah. And then you can predict Jack uh, Dorsey's ouster again. That's on the bingo card, too. <laughs> Brian, Brian Williams likes me. All right, whatever. I just, Brian, I, you know, I was talking Brian to Brian wouldn't say that. People at me. Twitter, I'm like, are you bringing Scott? Whenever I ask him to do, I'm like, no. He's not. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Are you, right, Scott coming? Yeah, it's like that fans. nice thing. Is they're your horrible husband coming? No, they're not. I would I say love not. Twitter. I I'm love just Twitter. telling you, they always say, are you they bringing Scott? They need to Scott? command the space they occupy. It's, lit- it's like having right. the husband that nobody likes. Uh, okay, Scott, we got, they're very polite about it because Twitter is a super polite group of people. Okay, Scott, we got a lot of listener mail about the antitrust hearing. Mm-hmm. Here's the first one from Clinton in New York. Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, my name's Clinton. I was wondering if you two thought there was a benefit to having all four testifying together, because while the Congress people weren't on the same page technically, they were tonally in that they all expressed this white hot anger. And maybe that's the impression that people will come away with that we need them to come away with, which is that this industry needs criticism, needs negativity so that we can get to some positive specific solutions. I do think he's right. I think Clinton's brilliant. I think he's right. Seeing them all together and everyone all mad at them was a good thing. I didn't think it would be, but it was. Yeah, it created. So initially, I thought it was a huge victory for big tech because when you have one person and all of these people coming at the attack, I don't say attacking, but trying to find the soft tissue around one person and one company, they generally can land more blows. Mm-hmm. And people come away with a sentiment around that specific company. Whereas right now, the American public comes away with a sentiment generally around big tech. Mm-hmm. So it's to any individual company's advantage to show up their safety in numbers. And I thought that that was a real mistake on the behalf of the on behalf of the committee. What I do think people mm-hmm. walked away from, though, was a, a generally totally. uncomfortable feeling about big tech. 
And so what yeah. this did was, quite frankly, it probably hurt all of big tech, but probably lessened the extent of the specific damage on any one company because people didn't really walk away with a feeling like, oh, that Amazon. Whereas with the Zuckerberg yeah. hearings, it was like, okay, Facebook is a problem. So yeah. what did you think? I thought I, I did not think it would work as well as it did. It actually worked yeah, really well. So and too. also the, 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 putting them on, uh, I think they did look small and they looked like a bunch of white guys. And it also was like, these are the guys are running our world. Like, I think it, I think they definitely, I do not think big tech is a monolith in any way. And I think they're all mm -hmm. different. And they, and they also, they also don't like each other. You know what I mean? They like don't. they're not united, but they're not united. Like the other industries can be like, you don't see when you see other industries, they feel like a group of people that hangs out together. This is a group of people that doesn't want to hang out together. Like that was one of the things that I, uh, I got, I came and, and it's actually true. And so I think, you know, they will throw each other under various buses uh, over time. I think that's what, what some of them are going to be very helpful and be the good, the good behaved person and the others, you know, and I think all, all, all fingers will point at Facebook and Amazon. Uh, I think, uh, I think Google has done, an, especially under Sooner, has done a nice job of trying to, I still think they, they're very exposed on the, on the, on the marketplace stuff and also on uh, the search. Uh, but I, I think the first antitrust filing uh, mm -hmm. or lawsuit yeah, will, be Google. Suit will be against Google. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That, but that's been long yeah. time coming. This has been a, since I've been starting covering tech, it was a problem. Olisa from Washington, D.C. asked, it was clear that the Republicans felt that Google was their company to go after and the Democrats split their time between Amazon and Facebook. What does this mean for these companies when the votes are counted in November? The answer is if Biden wins, they're in big trouble. And the Republicans can yammer on about conservative buys, especially if the Democrats get the House, the Senate and the presidency. They're in big trouble. They're in big trouble. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, We've got, I think we've got to look at this through a different construct. And we say they're in big trouble. All this, so if you look at all the stakeholders in big tech, there's the shareholders, there's the employees, there's startups in the ecosystem, there's our tax base, there's entrepreneurship, there's our elections, there's our commonwealth, there's the CEO, there's management. Every single stakeholder wins. You want to see Amazon stock go to 5,000? Force Bezos to spend AWS, which will be the most valuable company in the world. You want to see Facebook stock Go to go to 350, have an independent WhatsApp that needs to figure out a way for monetization and Instagram. If you want to see if if you want to see a, a Google go to two trillion dollars in the next six months, mm -hmm. spin YouTube and all of a sudden overnight you have two great search engines. Yeah, every, I think that, yeah that's in there. Every yeah. constituency wins entrepreneurship. The only yeah. constituency that, do, that doesn't win is the CEO who no longer oversees the, who no longer sits on the Iron Throne of Westeros, just one of the seven realms. And unfortunately- Let me ask you something. Why don't people, people kept asking, why aren't Scott and Kara here asking <sighs> these questions? And let me just say, we are correct about this. Everyone will win if they break, but, if they But spin this is the dangerous up. thing. This we is, enter into this yeah. construct or this rubric or this gestalt of, should we punt? Gestalt, that's on the we, bingo we, card. Go we ahead. ask ourselves, are they bad companies? Are they bad people? And do they deserve this punishment called antitrust? No, let's assume they're good people. Let's assume they're good companies. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn them into great companies and oxygenate the entire marketplace PayPal, yes, PayPal and eBay weren't bad people. Now PayPal's worth 13 times more than eBay. Yep. And there's more jobs yep. and there's more entrepreneurship yep. and there's more fintech and, and American, an American financial services or in, fintech company is kicking the shit out of Ant Financial and any London fintech. Antitrust, think of it this way. Antitrust is it's good it's for a America. reward. Congratulations, Jeff Bezos. Good for, we are pro. You're, you're amazing. We're good for you're America. You're amazing. You're Jack. Yeah. We're breaking you up. Yeah. 
What are you going to make next, Jeff right. Bezos? Let's make something new. You know, it also frees them. I think that just carrying around this giant burden of like the bigness, I think it's never good. You don't become good. You lose your touch with people. I think these are entrepreneurial people. Each and every one of them is an entrepreneurial person. And so it it bring it drags them down and they're constantly facing Washington and, and consumers eventually. And so I agree, oxygenate versus neutralize. Scott, that is our goal. Why don't people listen to us? We're brilliant. I think they may listen to us too much. (laughs) Real quick before we go to another break, I also want to mention an email we got from Andrew in Menlo Park. One thing I have not heard Scott comment on is whether Whole Foods as an acquisition was a smart move for Amazon pre and post COVID-19. No doubt he has a view so at a minimum, they got about 500 well-lit, well-staffed warehouses. They've learned more about yep. grocery. Yep. They've learned a lot more about yeah. private label. I think what's interesting... They haven't bought Penny yet, like you predicted. We're going to get to predictions in one second. I think what's interesting about Whole Foods was they underestimated the supply chain challenges of, of replenishing stores. And yeah. it's they've hit more hiccups than you would have thought. But I think Whole Foods was a... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just still love Whole Foods. I think it's amazing. A lot of people want to go back to the old Whole Foods. Some people, including you, have said it's that some of the quality has diminished. I, I went to the Whole Foods in Hudson Yards, and I thought, I'd like to live mm-hmm. here. It's just so nice. Yeah. They just do such an incredible yeah, job. It's a nice store. And when it you is, think about it. it is. Although I have to tell you, the workers still look more, look more unhappy happy? than they used to be. They used to be jolly. Are you sure they're, they're not, not just five anymore. years older? Um, that's what happens no, to all of us. Don't just, we all yeah, start to look less happy? <laughs> I'm no, looking there was fucking just a miserable lately, and it's got it nothing to do with my vibe. mood. You know, they work it's for gravity. Them. And anytime you mention Amazon or Jeff Bezos, they give you like they they sort of blink at you, like "Get me out of here!" Like that kind of. That's like they're they're prisoners. It's like you know, uh, it's interesting. They just will not engage with you on like they couldn't go. Ha ha! Yeah, I love Bezos. They're like, mm-hmm. but for twelve billion, it's I'm thinking like about that. this for twelve billion dollars, mm-hmm. or what is that at this point? You know, when they bought them, it was like a two percent dilution, and not like that. I mean, right. what what company? What company, and this is, again, another another data point on why they're too powerful. What company, whenever they announce an acquisition, the stock price goes up enough where they've paid for it. You're, they basically can go shop on the in, uh, other company's credit cards. The, the, the rest right. of the industry goes yep. down. Their market cap goes mm-hmm. up whenever they announce an acquisition. So they get to go shopping for free. It's like, okay, I get I get mom's credit right. card whenever I want. It's just, they, yeah. these guys are just way, we are so overdue. But again, it's their reward, Kara. We like them. Their we reward. like them. Yes, Yes, maybe we should we should maybe, you know, tongue bath them a little more to get tongue them to bath. do what we want. Tongue hmm. bath them. Like you do with your oh. anchor men. I Hello. mean, honestly, Jesus. Hello. Okay, that's enough. Okay, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Okay, Scott, predictions. As I said, you were, Amazon is not boss JC Penny. There's several you have uh, I'm waiting for to happen. So give me uh give me a prediction. Um so somewhere between eight and eleven million households are about to receive a letter in the next mm-hmm. seven to fourteen days. No, from some of the most okay. thoughtful uh, people who have ever worn bow ties, some of the most overeducated people in America are going to be sending letters to- Oh, you're killing me, say, Scott. You're about to do this to me, aren't you? Are going to say, out of an abundance in a, uh, an oh, abundance no. of caution, oh, no. uh, we are not, me, we are asking that your child not return to campus and we are going all remote. Uh, oh. Because over the next 14 days, checks or mm-hmm. tuition deposits are about to be cashed. I already paid. And the consensual hallucination between the finance department of universities, the leadership, and parents that we're going to be able to open 
mm-hmm. uh, is is going to end. And it's going to largely be based on when the university gets all the deposits and cashes them. Because the last thing they, they've decided to do, unlike every other industry that's challenged, mm-hmm. is they are constitutionally incapable of actually cutting costs. Mm-hmm. And so we're about to see what I call the great recognition or the great sobriety across universities. There was an interesting article in the New York Times talking. You know, Louis listens to this podcast. You're killing him. Well, Louis is a little bit different because New okay. York is a different situation. And I want to argue, I don't want to say it's also situational. Yeah. But the notion that we are going to take the downside risks of being the cruise ships and the nursing homes of this next phase of the coronavirus. Yeah, there were some stories about it coming from colleges. They come from colleges. And that was summer. There were 6,000 outbreaks mm-hmm. on colleges during the summer when no yeah, one's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is these are thoughtful, responsible people. They're subject to the same yeah. financial you know, the same financial worries and denial that we all enter into because we live in a capitalist society. But we're about to send out, and I, but I want to be clear, I don't speak on behalf of any university. I have no insider information at my university mm-hmm. or anywhere else. Yeah. But if you just do the math here, if you just do the calculus to, uh, to be the, to be the, to be the institution that says, Hey, come take our, our college town of 40,000 people and send 20,000 asymptomatic super spreaders here. And we're going to pretend to have some sort of normalcy. That mm-hmm. is just, it's its literally the opening scene of Contagion 2. All right, we'll see. Millions oh, of God. letters out of an abundance so of caution. So your kid is staying of, at home. I don't care about the people that already had college. But, but we're going to charge you the same. The thing that will uh, stay the same pay, is the tuition. I paid that bill. Although I had one of those 529s, so I don't even know I had the money. You know, and I put it away 100 years ago when Louis was Ooh, a baby. 529, you're so responsible. Thank you, I was. Which I was, I was person glad in I a lesbian relationship handles the 529? Kara Swisher. By the way, my questions get much more interesting. That's the first Kara one. Kara Swisher handles first of my least interesting questions on lesbian Kara relationships. All, I, I control the money, Scott. That's what I you're do. The money. I control, you control the money. You're exceptionally productive. I'm convinced you don't sleep. I am. I don't sleep. I don't sleep. Not at all. But yeah. I like I like the way I am. In any case, but I um, like the way as you I know. am. I mean, that's I'm not friends shocker. with anchors. <laughs> There's right, that's some a good inside, prediction. I like that I prediction. I like the way I am. <laughs> I like that prediction. Yeah. I like that. I, I don't like, like it, but I like it. Yeah. I like me. No, I really do like me. I really yeah, I know. We got my that. We 100 percent believe you. <laughs> We 100% believe you. You don't like you, but you like you. If that's if I can say it that way. Yeah, but I hate myself less and less every day. Yes, but you really like yourself too. Well, anyways, let's let's say this very, for another It's much day. more complex. Anyway, we'll we'll delve into it in our that, three hour that, long. Listen, the level of me liking myself or not liking myself is dependent entirely on one thing: tequila, vodka. Oh my god, uh, you're I, stealing I, my humor! <laughs> you're stealing my humor! I picked the wrong you liquor choice. You get me. You yeah, get me. I get you. Now, now listen, Jen, I but start I'm going to miss hate you. Myself, tequila. I'm going to sort tequila, of miss you. I think you. I can dance, which is bad for all of us. Let us tell our listeners Vodka, what's happening. Vodka, I like me. Vodka, Let's I like tell me. Let's tell happening. In the next four weeks of regular Pivot, the twice a week, we have guest hosts. But we're going to have five Pivot School episodes. So Scott's not really going away, even though he wanted to take the month of August off. Kara Swisher's going to be doing. And they pull me back. Oh in. yeah, you wanted to do this. This was you're thrilled that it sold so many tickets. Listen to me. There, there's, there's, there's regular pivots going to happen, and which I'm going to have guest hosts, and I'm going to work, you know, as usual, as hard as ever. And Scott's going to take the two off for the week, and then we're going to be doing Pivot School once a week. Just so you know, we have a lot of guests, like guests for Friends of Pivot. That you, Some of them actually that I'm asking are like, I want to wait for Scott to get back. There's several people that are well-known that are like, oh, no, I want Scott. So just so you know, feel good about that. They were like, they the don't want to be any luxury brand, not that I'm a luxury brand, is scarcity. Yeah. yeah. They were like, no, I the want to tangle with Scott. 
not the Twitter people, but they want to tangle with Scott. And I'm like, sure, that's no problem. Tangle. Okay, but well, make well, sure to tune on, in serious. next I week. I have breaking news because I'm tangle? looking at my phone because I'm can. i I'm a little bit bored. So right. uh, mm-hmm. Herman Cain just died from COVID-19. Oh, oh no, that's sad. It is sad. I was on it's Fox sad. with he Herman He should not Cain. have gone to that Tulsa rally without a mask. Sorry. It's just terrible to do that. Wear your masks. That people. is really, that is, a, that is actually, your that's a big deal. Mask. It's not a joke. It's not like Louis yeah. Gomer, screw him. He should have, he, he got people that so he could possibly. Awful. Let that me just say, just wear awful. your frigging mask. This is where it leads, unfortunately, especially if you have other issues. Just wear your masks, please. Don't be a mask. Before hospitalized yep. earlier this month, yep. coronavirus. You know, and also uh, the National Security Advisor has COVID. I mean, honestly, where are your friends? You know what I'm really worried about, Kara? What? I'm going off script here. I'm really worried that in the United States, we Mm -hmm. always turn to technology uh, for some sort of silver bullet um, Mm -hmm. solution because we're lazy. And I really worry Mm -hmm. that our dependence and reliance and cold comfort from the notion of a vaccine is going to reduce our discipline around non-pharmaceutical interventions, specifically wearing a mask and distancing. Yeah. And that, and that America. New studies coming out showing it really is effective. Well, not like that, but think think about World War II. It was a race. <laughs> it was a race to splitting the atom. Whoever got the bomb was going to win. But we didn't yeah. stop building B twenty four super fortresses. We didn't stop yeah. fighting on the beaches yeah. of Normandy. This is our enemy. We got to go after this. Got to go at it. We're and we didn't say in World War II. Oh, it's the least you can do, people. We in didn't America. say in World War II. Oh wait, the enemy is a decline in the Nasdaq. Let's spread money right. all around. We asked people right. for money, and we went after this fucking thing. I, I mean, know. let's let's we declare go, war on go. this thing. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about Herman Cain. That's sad. But uh, make sure to tune in Tuesday because Congressman David Cicilline will be our friend of Pivot. We're looking forward to having him on the show. Representative Cicilline. That's right. He's coming on. He's a badass, I have to say. Ne- but next week on the podcast, he was I'll be very replacing good. Scott. He was good. Next week on the podcast, he's from the Long Emperor Island, thing. Though. That guy's he's not from, from Rhode Island. He needs to stop lying. He's from Rhode Island. He's from Rhode Island. That guy, no, that's that such guy, a Rhode Island name. That guy's from Ron Concoma, not Ron- Rhode no, Island. No, he's from Rhode Island. No, that he's guy's from Rhode Island. Island. Anyway, in any case, Scott, I'm going to disappear him and our friend Stephanie Rule from MSNBC will be the guest host for next week. We have a lot of great guest hosts coming. You're not allowed to do anything um, with Stephanie without me. It's I am. I'm working for God twice sakes. a week. We're, 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 I, you know what? You have your anchors. I have my anchors. Um, we can't Stephanie get rid Rowe. of him. On Tuesday, August 4th, our first Pivot School. Now is your last chance to get tickets. Uh, 2, we have thousands of people. people coming. 2, we people. have 2,000. Let's get to 3,000. 5,000 would be better. Just go to pivotschool.com. And don't forget, if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com. We might read your email on the show. We've had quite a few this week. Scott, please read us out. Today's episode episode was produced by Eric Johnson. Fernanda Finate engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. We have an enemy. We have turned back fascism. We have arrested the march of HIV. We have turned back some of the most formidable foes and enemies in the history of mankind. There is American ingenuity. There is American courage. There's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with us. Let's show this thing our metal. It's not too late. Distance, mask, concern for one another, empathy, masking, distancing. This is our enemy. Let's show this thing what we're made of. Kara, have a great rest of the weekend. Nice, Scott. Thank you. Nice. Don't be a mask hole. <laughs>